Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. I can't get through a worship set without crying, so... <laughs> and I think that's really great, because you know what? Tears, don't hold them back. If they're just for Jesus, because you're pouring out your love on Jesus, let them flow. Let, let your tears flow. Let it flow out, because um, he's worth it. And I, I was thinking a lot through worship of the woman... Um, who bought her alabaster jar full of perfume um, and she poured it out on the feet of Jesus, held nothing back. Um, That was all she owned in the world. She had nothing else and she just gave everything in that that moment. And um, I'm just going to move back a little bit. She had nothing else in the world to give. It was the most precious thing she had and she broke it open. So broke open the bottle. So there was no putting it back. There was no collecting the leftovers putting it back, she just poured out all of her worship. Oh, I'm going to cry. She just poured everything out on uh, the feet of Jesus. And I find it funny because um, that story, it appears a few times in Scripture. And, um, um, you know, one of, the, one of the accounts tells of a religious leader, one of the Pharisees, who was standing by watching the woman do this. And the Pharisee, you know, teacher said um, to Jesus, well, said behind Jesus' back, if Jesus really knew who this woman was, he wouldn't accept that gift, that perfume, that worship. And uh, Jesus knew the man's heart. And he said, what this woman has done here will be told all over the world and through all time. Um, And because her act was an act of absolute pure uh, worship, like devotion poured out, given nothing held back, right? And but the religious Pharisee teacher was judging her worship instead. And uh, all we remember of this man now is that his judgment of her worship and what that looked like, and how Jesus said what she did was what was really beautiful, and she held nothing back. And um, I. It's just what the kind of life that, that God asks us to live with him. Yeah. I'm trying to... I've got too much stuff up here. And um, so I'm going to have to have someone else tell me the time. Is that all right? Uh, <laughs> it's sinking. <laughs> I'll take my heavy Bible off it. It won't, it'll sink. Sure. <laughs> um, open up to Philippians chapter 2. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> I feel like I could totally do <laughs> The weightiness of the word. And I just, again, just the scripture that um, was used there is that um, you broke through my opinions with your truth. The, the scripture that um, Emily read there. And I'm just going to pray before we start with that in our minds. He breaks through our opinions and he breaks through our judgments and he breaks through our thinking and all the things that we think that we're really good at with his truth, right? That's what I want for all of my life, every single one of my days, is that, that no matter what I uh, come to think or to understand or the reasoning and the logicalizing and I call reasoning rationalizing because sometimes it's full of lies, right? Our rationalizing can be full of lies. We've just believed and uh, so if there's the willingness in us to just go, okay, I am this person and I come to you, Jesus, with this experience and this life and my education and all the background that I have. And so it forms you, forms who you are, forms your worldview. But if this is not the thing that then can change that, 
they were really not submitted to the Lord in the first place. So this has got to be the thing that we allow to change us every single day and feed on it every single day. Like more than we do our food. is we, we, we love our bodies, we feed our bodies, and some of us really well. Right? <laughs> so I love food, and we do a lot of food at church. We feed our body, and we should, and God delights and wants us to enjoy food, right? Um, but, but this is the thing, this is the spiritual food, that this lasts into eternity. This shapes us and forms us and makes sure that we get into eternity and spend it with Jesus, Right? And so value this, value this above anything. So I'm just going to pray. And uh, Lord, you, you're here already. You are here. We've, you, we've been worshipping you and you can't stay away. When we lift up worship to you and praise to you, you just can't stay away. You come and you make yourself known. And we invite that, Jesus. We invite you to make yourself known. We invite you to continually come and continually have your way in our heart, continually make yourself known in more and greater ways. And um, it's that the manifold wisdom of heaven. You, 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 there's so many aspects to you, so many uh, facets to knowing you, so many um, new things to know about you. We can spend the whole rest of our life here on earth and every single day finding out a new thing about you and we'll still not plumb the depth of who you are. But we give our lives to this. We give our lives to engaging with you, Jesus, and falling more in love with you, Jesus, and to knowing you as the purpose and enjoying you. It's the purpose you created, man, is to love you and enjoy you and to know you and spend eternity with you. And so, God, we give ourselves to this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, can, someone, can someone get me some water from that, please? Thanks. Thanks. I was like five people. I only need one. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Sorry doing this. Talk amongst yourselves. Thanks. So thank you. Um, so I have, I have a lot of scripture, and, but we're, I don't have a lot of time now, so I'm running out. I don't want to – I'm going to read Philippians 2. Um, and if you have – I'm reading from the NIV. The NIV does little chapter subtitles. It just says, um, imitating Christ's humility. Um, we're called to imitate Christ's humility in every way that he did, he did right? No, hold, no holding back and no going, well, he was God, so of course he was like that. No. We've got to imitate his humility. And because he was God, we're told to be holy, just as your heavenly Father is holy. We're told to be holy. So anyway, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, having being one in spirit, and one in one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Same, same mindset as Christ. Um, verse 5. Oh, that, that was verse 5. <laughs> verse 6. Um, who being Christ, who being in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heavens and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God our Father. Um, so Jesus, Jesus, we all know Jesus came to the earth. We all know that he, was, he became incarnate. He was, man, he was God already existent in God. He already existed, but he came as a man, born as a little tiny baby, completely dependent on his mother Mary and his you know, stand-in father Joseph, completely dependent on them for anything, everything, vulnerable. So we're created in the image of God, right? Every single person on the planet. We're created in the image of God. Yet God then humbled himself and came in our image to reach us. And uh, we've just been singing songs of his great love. Uh, you know, if you can even just think about that for a moment, is just go, you loved me so much that you came, you created me already in your image, but... But, but, but I, I still didn't get it. We still didn't love him well. We still didn't follow him well. So he then had to come in our image, created in our image as a human. He put on human flesh. What an absolute humiliation for God of heaven. Yet he didn't see it as humiliation in the worldly sense, right? He didn't see it as humiliation in the way that we would, in, in our human way, judge and, and think little of him. He did it because he knew it was the way to show love and demonstrate servanthood to show really what true love was. Yes, I'll step down to the lowest place to reach down and pick you up. Right? That's what that's about. So, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. So there's a couple of verses here and I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about the perfect obedience of Jesus. See, he lived a life of complete, as a man, he, you know, when he was born as a baby, grew, and we know that he became wise. He, he grew in the, the, the favour and the stature of, favor of God and, and of man. We know that he grew up, but he didn't begin his earthly ministry until he was 30 years old. And so there's not a lot that we know about his pre-30 years. We know because we have the Gospels that tell us all about the three years, or at least a lot about the three years. I think there's a lot that's not in here. We're going to discover in heaven a lot more. Um, and... Uh, so when he was baptized in the river um, and came up out of the water and the Bible says that uh, Holy Spirit, literally heaven was torn open because that was the split second that, uh, that heaven was rent and Holy Spirit was able to come down and remain on a person full time and never have to leave because now there was a person who was sinless, completely pure. And so Holy Spirit could remain on Jesus, the first human since Adam because Adam lost it and Jesus was the first one that Holy Spirit could again remain on fully, fully and never have to leave because of, he was sinless, pure, the absolutely pure and shining one. So Holy Spirit remained on him then and then for the next three years. We can read about the miracles. We can read about the signs and wonders and the, the miracles, the feeding of um, the 5,000, the feeding of the 3,000. We can read about him walking on water and um, healing blind eyes and all of those things. We can read about all of those things and, and we can put that on the shelf and go, well, that's Jesus. He's God, of course. But everything he did as a man, 
in human flesh, in our likeness, was to do it so that you and I, in our flesh, in our, in our brokenness, in, in the way that we've, we've come to get to know him, that we could be people who would set aside all of that old life and allow the Holy Spirit to so fill us and so change us and so transform us that we would be just like Jesus, that we would see greater miracles than Jesus saw, that we'd be the kind of people that could be walking around our street and see blind eyes open and it wouldn't be a big thing. It wouldn't be a big deal. It'd be like our normal thing. The normal Christian life is to be like Jesus. He's perfect theology, the perfect human. Our lives are supposed to look like him, mirror his and line up with his. And we can't make excuses for the not. Or we can, a lot, of, a lot of us do, right? But we shouldn't and we shouldn't because he's dealt with our past. He's dealt with our sin. He's dealt with that old man. If you are, if you've given your life to Jesus, you are a completely new creation in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. The old things, that old way of thinking, the old way of life, the shame, the guilt that we come under is completely been washed away under the blood of Jesus and you know then we get water baptized as well so the old man is washed away in the waters so we're a new creation in Christ so we cannot we cannot now say oh well Jesus did all those miracles so I shouldn't I can't because the whole purpose of the new creation who we are who he's made us to be now is that we'd be people just like Jesus doing the same things Jesus did but here's the kicker, because we're still human, <laughs> right? And I know me, I know what I think about, and I, you know, I know some of you all beautiful people, but we're not perfect. Jesus, who is perfect, we've received his righteousness, and so the Father looks at us, and he does see us as pure and shining. He looks through the filter of Jesus' purity. He sees you through the filter of Jesus' righteousness. So you are perfect, in God's eyes, in the Father's eyes. That's why the song we're singing, lean back in the arms of the Father. There's a safe place there. And there's no reason for you to run and hide and cower in fear because you've been invited into that very place to sit on his lap and lean back in the Father's arms because the Father sees you as if you were Jesus himself with that same purity and that same righteousness. All right. Now, got that out of the way, but I've got to still also talk about the silly things that we still sometimes do because we just have some wrong habits. Wrong habits of thinking, wrong habits of... And God is wanting to deal with these in us and in his timing as we allow him to do it, not when we try and do it ourselves because that just sets up more religious striving, right? We're not going to strive into this kind of stuff. We're just going to allow him to work and have his way in our heart. That's the purpose of having the Holy Spirit live life with us every single day. He's the one leading. He's the one guiding. He's the one we're listening to. And if he's just getting up with him every day, and we, this big, big thing in our church is... The thing is, the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, the, the thing that out of heaven, the Father's heart is saying and echoing continually is hear and obey, just hear and obey. It's the hear and obey. Old Testament, New Testament, there's a continuity. It's the same message, right? In the middle of that, in the Old Testament, the law was given because they, just, they refused the hearing and the obeying, right? So we're, we're reinstated to the same place as Adam as far as our purity and the invitation into the Father's heart and to walk with just incredible, incredible, unbroken, unhindered intimacy. We're invited into that same place that Adam had when he walked in the cool of the garden. But here's the thing. So I want to talk about um, from Philippians. I'm going to put this down just because it's in the way. I'll turn to my notes for it. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I still need the scripture. Um, 
Yeah, no, I'll use it. I'll do this. So I read through Philippians 2 from 1 down to chapter 11 or 12. Um, I want to just sit on verse 3 for a second. Before I do read verse 3 again, I want to say this. It's not like... Because this is a plea from Paul to live in unity. This is a plea for Paul to for us to live humbly before each other and live in unity. Um, and we should, right? Because when we live humbly before one another, loving one another, we become we really do become a safe place for others to land into family. And we also become a place where God blesses unity, right? Psalm 133, God, God blesses unity. We know this. Um, and he wants, he wants his family to be people who are... That we don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to vote the same way. None of that, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the spiritual unity between hearts that are just linked up and know each other and love each other and are committed to one another's success, right? So unity like that. But the humility here is something much greater and much deeper. And Jesus walked with complete and perfect obedience to the will of the Father. The John, sorry, Matthew, Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 10, it says, it's the beginning of the prayer where Jesus is teaching on prayer and he says that, uh, <laughs> you know, earlier he says, don't just go on and on and on and babble like the pagans do, but this is how you pray. Pray, my will be done. It's actually Father. Father, your will be done. Father, your kingdom come. But in the praying your will be done, it's the laying aside of our own. Prayer even means from that, not all the time, because prayer has different words in Greek, but that, that version of prayer there means to exchange my wishes and my will, lay aside my agenda to pick up Jesus' agenda, the Father's agenda, in everything. And that's perfect obedience. And the hearing obeying for us is we be people who learn to hear and obey the Holy Spirit and live with incredible obedience to him. It's not like he's not a hard taskmaster. He's not like setting up religious rules and making it hard and like hurdles or hoops that we've got to jump through. He just wants us to be doing it in great relationship to him. Friendship to him is the way we're supposed to do this. And so I want to explain a little bit of um, some of the verses here. Paul says in verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In the Greek there, it's kenodoxia or kenodoxia. So it just means empty glory being empty of glory. And that's why I'll cry actually again. Um, our meetings are very full of God's presence. And I, that's why I cry because I'm like, oh my gosh, you're here again. Thank you for loving us like this. Don't ever stop. And he won't, right? But it's the cry of our heart. And um, he, he, delights to, he delights to make himself known. He delights to fill us he delights to make himself known in presence and glory. Like this, his presence is always with us. We know that by faith. We know that. The Bible says he'll never leave us and not forsake us. His presence is always with us. But there's a difference when we can feel the increase of presence because now glory's in the room. Glory, his presence. We, we say glory or power's in the room. His presence has come in a very real way and sometimes it becomes a little harder to breathe because the air is thickened up because he's there. Or you might start, I vibrate. Right? It's just catching, catching his presence like a tuning fork of starts to vibrate. So I vibrate and there's a few other people and we just sit there going, oh my gosh, there's power here because, um, because God's come in the room. And I know when I've got to do that, I've just got to start laying hands on people because I know it, it opens up something for them too. So if I, st- if I might do that in worship, it's just because I've felt the Holy Spirit say do that. All right? um, so glory, the glory presence of God. He wants his people. Old Testament were people of... Um, visitation. The New Testament, in the New Covenant, we're supposed to be people of habitation. 
difference of visitation. He'd visit and leave. Like visit and leave, couldn't stay because of the impurity, because of the sin. We're people in the new covenant. We are, we've been made pure. He wants to come and stay, but not just stay in a way that we have to by faith. Oh, you're here. By faith, it's a great thing and we should always live by faith. But, but we know because something tangible has also happened that it's a bit different because now glory, there is a presence here that I can sense and so does the person next to me. He might not even be a Christian. One time I was praying for a person um, in a supermarket, my food line is the best place to just evangelise. So I was praying for someone across, I, had a, I held her hand across the, you know, the, whoop, that thing, what's it called? You all knew what I meant by the noise. <laughs> the scanner thing. So she's running stuff and I saw her name tag and she just looked unhappy. And, um, and I, was like, I, so I, was like, I started trying to talk to her and she wouldn't even, she wouldn't even look, pick her head up, right? Just heavy with world stuff. And I, so I just asked her, I said, oh, I see your name. Is this how you pronounce it? I'm trying to find anything to have a conversation. So do I pronounce your name, your name properly here? Anyway, she finally looked up um, after one of the questions and I don't remember even what all of the conversation was, but she let me pray for her. So I just stuck my hand over the scanner. She held my hand, which I was, there's people behind us in line. So it's like brave woman because she didn't know Jesus. So she held my hand and um, I just prayed. Well, it, was, it wasn't powerful prayer. It wasn't even like maybe even correct theology, right? We don't have to worry about all that stuff. You've just turned up to love someone. And so by you just going, bless you in Jesus' name or whatever comes out of your mouth to pray for that person in that moment is all heaven needs to now work in that person, okay? So I held a hand and I prayed and then just let go, started trying to pray and she's, she's standing there going, what did you do to me? <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't do anything. Um, God did. And so what I'm saying is we, we have the ability to carry God like this so that change really happens in the atmosphere. We can't always see it with our eyes and we can't always hear it even with our natural ears, but change really does happen. God is bigger than we think <laughs> and he's better than we think and he's gooder, he's gooder than we think. And so he wants to... Yeah, <laughs> gooder is not a word. I made it up. Well, other people say it. <laughs> and so... Um, he wants to move through us. We're the ones that stop it. He's not the one who stops it. He wants to move continually through our lives. And when we just show up and be the person who's going to smile and talk to the person who's, you know, helping us with our groceries, he will bless that person just because you have said, Jesus loves you. Um, so some of my, my food line people now, I call them my food line people because they're my people. Because I'll know them all and I buy them things. So the people that are, like the young ones especially, the 8, 10-year-olds that have just got their first job or something and they're working their checkout. And um, so I like buy them extra chips and go, I've got this packet for you. Is that okay? <laughs> they're like, really? Thank you. I stick it behind their little drawer, um, you know, thing. But um, you, you, we have, just by doing little things like that, we are opening up heaven over people's lives every single day and, and it's not hard. It's really, it's not even on us. We've just got to turn up and know that heaven, all of heaven is backing what we're doing. All of heaven comes on the back of anything that we say, any way that we're just giving a smile, any way that we're just even getting to pray. All of heaven is waiting to give that person a real touch and a real change. We open a place and a space over that person's life like grace has been made available because we've just turned up to love them. But here is what stops this flow through us. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. I want to talk about the selfish ambition and the vain conceit just for a sec. 
Because I told you that the, the Greek word for it is empty, empty glory, kinodoxa, kinodoxia. You can say it either way. Empty glory, to be empty of God's glory. And the reason it's empty glory is because in the vain conceit and the selfish ambition, I'm full of pride. And if I'm full of pride, there's not a lot less, there's not a lot of space for God. Like I've filled myself up with my own wishes and my own thinking and my own opinions. That's why I love the scripture that Emily said, um, in my opinions, it's your, your truth that cuts through my opinions from Psalm 73. So it, it, it's in, the, in that place where I'm just so full of me, so full of what I might need, full of what I want, full of maybe attention-seeking glory on me, full of all of that. I have no, I've given no room for the Holy Spirit to fill me in the way that he really wants to fill me for me because then I'm a person of incredible joy and I carry incredible life. He's, he transforms me that way in, a, in incredible ways. But I've also stopped his flow through me to the, to the person in the supermarket, right? If I'm just full of me, if I'm full of my wants, if I'm full of my own, um, it's a selfish ambition, it's the pride of life. It's the, and you know what I'm even going to say like this, it's the um, not even giving room because I'm just filling my life with all of the other wrong opinions of the world. Like right now, there's, well, you know, the, just pray. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> just pray, pray, because God has a plan, right? The enemy had a plan. The enemy tried his best. And every time he does, and right now he's like squealing, but is it powerless? God is flipping the uh, script again on the enemy and God is reviving. God is changing. God is going to use what the enemy used um, for our uh, evil. God is going to take it and flip it and turn it for good. You watch. This nation is going to be... I just, in, in, in next year, this nation is going to be better than it ever has been. There's going to be hope arise again. There's going to be life arise again. There's going to be greater unity because people are sick of the division. They're sick of, like, they're sick of having someone unfriend them who's a family member because they just vote differently. It's really okay that people vote differently. It's not okay to divide against a brother or sister, whether it's biological family or you know, church family or whatever. It's not okay. God is going to flip that. He's renewing. He's renewing the cities. He's renewing the broken places. Right? So, kinodoxia empty glory so paul said what did you say paul because you gave cleanse your palate was that the word where is paul oh sorry i don't have my glasses by the way if people haven't noticed why she not wearing glasses i left them at home (laughs) so i can see people but if you're looking at me maybe i can't see that (laughs) and you smile i can see white teeth (laughs) jesus heal my eyes Um, what was I saying? You said, you said, cleanse your palate. The cleansing of our palate to receive more of God, because that's what it was about, right? Having a really good hamburger, but you might need a palate cleanse first so you don't like now the taste of ketchup, which is full of HFCS and all of the junky <laughs> chemicals, right? So to have a really good hamburger, sometimes you've got to have that cleansing, detoxification, cleansing. Well, that's in our spirit. That's repentance, isn't it? <laughs> right? And so, so... We've got to be people who really quickly repent. We've got to be people who really quickly catch ourselves. When I, when I have a thought of um, any kind of pride, any kind of selfishness, any kind of give to me, get for me, all of that stuff, a really quick place, to, a really quick thing to, to get in the habit of, it's a good habit, do is to just go, God, I'm sorry and help me. I don't want to think that way. I don't want to 
try to get for myself because you, Jesus spent his whole ministry, his whole 30 years here, but especially ministry, he spent his whole ministry years here giving and giving and giving. And that's what, that's what real success in the kingdom is. What we give away is much more valuable in the kingdom sense. That's, that's a kingdom value. Kingdom value is not what I get. Kingdom value is what I give away. And so heaven's on the back of all of that too, right? The more we can just give to people. And it doesn't have to be. Sometimes it's financial stuff. Sometimes it's like the, the prayer in a food line, supermarket, right? It, it, you know, our giving to people. Our giving to people is valuing people. Our giving to people is the dignity that we just give to people. And right now, people need that more than ever. They don't think they have value. Even people in the church are come, have come under such shame, horrible shame. And sometimes it's come out of pulpits in church. And that is, that is from the devil, that is religion. It is not Jesus. It's not what you find in the Bible. Shame has come off. Shame has been removed. And we have the value and the dignity of the Holy Spirit coming and making his home in our heart. What? There's, no, there's no greater dignity. And so if the Father does that, if Jesus, Holy Spirit, they come and make their home in us, there's no greater value a person can have on the planet. God is living in my heart. And so that can change us to a place where now we're really free to go give dignity to someone else. Because the moment we do that, they start to have that grace space opened up over their life so that they can be now receivers of his love too. Amen? Anyway, back to Philippians. So, uh, I'm just going to read verse, verse 6 of Philippians 2. Who being, Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in the human likeness as a servant. So, so you know, Jesus did not cease to be God. He was always God. But he lay that aside. He lay all of the ability that he had, the divine ability that he had, so that he would live as a man just like us, humankind, and be filled with the Holy Spirit and do all of his ministry as we are, men and women, filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's not one thing that you can read when you read the gospel stories that you're not invited into the same type of relationship and unity with the Father because he just would spend hours and hours with the Father. And I'm not saying people everybody, every day need to do that because I understand people work jobs and all the rest. But it's the unity, the communion that he had, the unbroken, unbroken union with the Father while he was here on earth in the flesh. We're invited to that same relationship through the Holy Spirit. But also then all of the glorious miracles, like all of those things that you read, anything that you saw him doing, anything that you saw him saying, the preaching, the teaching, the authority that he carried – was because he, 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 he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And because he was filled with the Holy Spirit to, to an extent and gave up his own opinions, he even gave up his own will and his God, but he lay aside his own will to live according to the will of the Father so that we'd be taught and encouraged and demonstrated the way we're to live, fully filled with the Holy Spirit, laying aside our own will, and living with, to, according to the will of the Father in perfect obedience, just the same way that Jesus did. So it says here that he made himself nothing. But the word there comes from, comes from a word which is similar to kenodoxia, kenosis. All it means is Jesus emptied himself of his godlike 
attributes and his own will, his own self-determination, his own self-initiating. He emptied himself of his own desires and his own wishes and his own agenda. Any ambition that he had, he laid it aside so that he could listen to the Holy Spirit and pick up everything the Father was asking him to do. Right? Now, he's God. And if he can do this, if he, who has every right to be a self-initiator, to have his own opinions, (laughs) he is truth, by the way, Truth incarnate, but he, God, lay aside that to show us how we are to lay aside our own wishes and our own will and our own agendas so that we can live according to the Father's. That's humility, isn't it? So he became obedient unto death. And the word obedient right here is the same word that we hear. It's the same, comes from the same root for the hear and the obey. So we hear it all through Deuteronomy, we hear it in Exodus, we hear it all through the Old Testament and on into the New Testament, our hearing and our obeying. The Holy Spirit is the thing. And so, um, you know, there's many ways, we talk about this a lot, hearing and obeying. There's many ways people hear. It's not like you have to listen to me stand up here and talk and have to hear the way I hear. That's not, that's not what this is about. The hearing and the obeying, your hearing comes from your relationship with God and the, your communion, you placing yourself before the Father every single day and just talking to him and engaging his heart, asking him, what's on your heart today, Father? What do you want to say to me? Who do you say I am? What would you want to say to me about my identity in you? What do you want to say to me about this person in the food line, shopping line? Because you can get words of knowledge and prophetic words over people in in stores like that. And especially if they're unbelievers and you turn up with a word for them and just go, I see this on you. Is this true? No, a person's going to be brought to tears. <laughs> I've seen it in split seconds and they go, how do you know that? And I'm like, well, actually, I, I love the Lord Jesus and he loves you and he told me you need to be encouraged in this. It's a really easy thing to tune into his voice when you're his friend. And sometimes, sometimes, um, sometimes I, I do know, I do know I, we talk about this a lot and I know there's people still sitting here easily, maybe, maybe a third or a half of people still here, still go, oh, I still have a hard time hearing. I know, but keep pressing in, <laughs> keep pressing in. Here's the thing is when you just sit with, with the word communion, which we use for, we use it for, you know, when we're having bread and wine for the actual moment of communion in church, but to commune with God, to have relationship with God, that communion, that's what communion is. And the communion that we take with the bread and wine is only really a step to that, stepping stone to that. I found this out a little... I'm a bit geeky. For, yeah, I know, you know, some of you know that. Like, so communion, the word communion comes from a Latin word. Um, to be, and it, said, it means to be changed and become like the one who is your friend. How great is that? That's what communion means. And what is a little weird, but I'm going to say this anyway and I don't care. Well, I do care, but it's important. Um, <laughs> You know that when a man and a woman come together in the physical act of having sex, the man, the woman becomes changed and over years takes on the man's DNA and there is a core DNA change in a woman. Do people have people, someone's going, hmm, I know maybe some of you are a bit sciencey, know this already, but, but because this act of intimacy, the whole point, oh, I've got to cry, the whole point of intimacy 
Because this is just a picture of how we're supposed to be with God, right? Our marriage relationship, the intimacy that we have is the picture of what we're supposed to be like with the Father, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit. And so if I know that um, in that place of intimacy, the physical act of intimacy with a husband and a wife, the woman takes on the DNA of the man and is eventually over years, because this DNA change over years becomes more and more and more <laughs> like the man. I might grow taller. <laughs> person in my house pretty soon oh my two boys giants and my daughter's on her way to being towering over me and uh <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> so 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 okay bring it back i'll take a drink um <clears throat> so understanding what i'm saying there okay understanding what i'm saying there the more we commune and have intimacy with Jesus, the more we're changed. The more we become like him. And that's the purpose, right? That's the purpose is that every day, just by degree, by degree, we're just growing and becoming more like him, being transformed more into his image and experiencing who he is through the experience of relationship with the Father, through the communion that we've been brought into, the high dignity, the place that he's brought us into relationship with him and invitation that is daily and multiple times through a day. Hey, daughter or son, you know, Romy, whatever your name is, like, come, come spend some time. Or even if you are going through your day and it's busy, but you've brought him into those moments, that's the acknowledge him in all your ways, right? You've brought him into that every moment because you're engaging him and asking him, how should I do this part of my job that's really busy right now? You're just bringing him into everything and it's that communion that you are learning to be in deep, unhindered, unbroken communion with him. We are being changed in that same place, the same way there's a spiritual DNA change on the inside of us, right? That's his goal for us, is that we literally would resemble Jesus. In, in all of the, if anything that you can think of, all of the great things about Jesus that you read through the Gospels or that you know through your own relationship with him, his goal for you is that you would look like that too. Loving and kind and compassionate and gentle and gracious, but full of truth as well. Take no BS, right, from people. Like there's both. It's got to be both. It's not all just sloppy love on one side and no truth on the other. It's both. And there's an intensity about him because of that. And everything that you can read about who he was from the Gospels and everything that we know about him, he wants to make us like that. Because the goal, the goal, heaven's, Father's goal, so heaven's goal is that Jesus became incarnate, God was incarnate and came and learned, lived as a, as a person fully filled with the Holy Spirit so that when he would go back into heaven and send the Holy Spirit at that moment of Pentecost that all of the believers in Christ would be so filled by the Holy Spirit the same way that Jesus was, ministered the same way that Jesus ministered, that literally be laid down lives, the will and my will fully laid down so that he can have his way through me, un, un, like unrestricted, like no matter what that was, 
no matter what might be the thing that would block me, the minute I just can repent and let go or renounce things, allow him to have his way, his, his will fully through my life so that Jesus now has thousands and even millions of people just like him on the planet Earth now. Because that was his plan from the beginning. He said to Adam, go and fill the earth. And Adam ate the apple, Eve ate the apple. <laughs> so, so the filling of the earth wasn't quite the way God planned. But he did, after they ate the apple, he still, he recommissioned them. He said, go do it anyway. And then Jesus said to us in the same way, now you have been renewed. You now go make disciples. So now our job is to go fill the earth again. And the more we just disciple, the more we disciple people, the more we just bring people into this incredible relationship with God. And they get changed and they become more like Jesus and there's more Jesuses on the earth. And we're not God. I'm not saying we're God, but, but we are in his image. And we live like him. We love like him. We minister like him. We are in unity with people just like him. Yeah. Right? And that's the point. So our filling the earth now is making disciples everywhere we go. It's the same commission that Adam had. It's the same condition that he lost, you know, after the curse, he was recommissioned. Noah was also commissioned with the same thing, fill the earth. And the only way we do it is by being empowered by the Holy Spirit and living in the will of the Father in every single way. So. The thing that... um. So Jesus did this. Jesus did this. He humbled himself, right? He humbled himself, gave up his heavenly dwelling where he's got billions of angels serving him, billions of angels worshipping him, the high place in heaven, God, humbled himself and made himself like a little baby. You mentioned six hours holding the little baby, tickling toes. That was the word you said. So, so he trusted the father he trusted the Father that if, if Jesus, I'm going to give up my will because, Father, I trust you to take care of me in the process. So, Father, I will become a baby because I trust you can care for me. And so that's the picture that you went just as the parent is now holding this tiny little baby. Father is our parent and he holds our life as if we're that tiny little baby, precious in his sight, and we can trust him and we can trust that he will take care of all of our needs. That's to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you because we can give up our will and we can give up our striving efforts to make something of ourselves in a way that is outside his will and, and trust that in the giving up of our striving, in the giving up of our you know trying to fight through life, in the giving up of all of that, we become like that baby that you spoke of in the father's arms who is not going to let go of that baby, who is going to meet all of the needs of that baby, change that baby's dirty diaper, feed that baby, clip the child's nail, do whatever, anything the baby needs, the father's going to meet. And that's the promise of heaven, the uh, Matthew 6.33 verse, all these things will be added unto you if you seek first the kingdom, seek first his righteousness, and all these things will be added. It's the great care that he gives. And Jesus, that was demonstrated in Jesus because the life of Mary was under threat because she was having a boy and Herod was trying to kill off the boys. Joseph, angel appears, Joseph, take Mary to Egypt. I'll protect you guys down there. They go to Egypt and come back when they're told it's safe to come back. 
right? So you can, you, we can go through all of the life of Jesus. We don't have time right now. But the protection of the Father over his life and ministry is the same protection the Father wants to give for us over our lives and over our ministry and the same care. So we can trust him because he's a really good father and he's gooder. <laughs> he's gooder. He's good. He's good. He can be trusted. He's faithful. He will not let us down. Sometimes we think he will because people in our lives have. We've got to repent of allowing the filter of people and experience to, to, to form what we think of the Father. Like repent of that and then go, okay, now, Father, you show me then because he is good. It was, it was um, A.W. Tozer who's, who famously said um, the, the one thing that, that will define, I'm paraphrasing, the one thing that really is important for the Christian to understand is that God is good. God is good because if you don't understand that, our Christianity will be warped and messed up and we'll have that vain conceit, we'll have that selfish ambition and it won't even seem like selfish ambition, it'll seem like just survival, right? And we'll think we're just trying to survive and we really are. But the, the Bible still calls it selfish ambition because we're trying to do it our way rather than allowing the Father, trusting the Father, giving our lives in surrender, complete surrender to him to allow him to do it through us and for us. Amen? Amen. So... Um, we're just going to pray. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to ask you, put your heart, and maybe you're living this way already, so beautifully surrendered, but just I do it daily anyway. Put your heart again in that posture of incredible surrender. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And the place of surrender is just the place where he fills. God fills empty vessels. Be empty of selfish ambition. Be empty of pride. Be empty of the um, battling and, and combating your way through life. Be empty of the chasing down things for yourself that are outside his will or even if it's in his will but not his timing. Let it go. Let it go. Surrender. 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 So it's the emptying of the emptying of my will, my wishes, because now, Jesus, I want your will and I want your wishes and I want your life to so flow through mine, to transform, to change. And so surrender. Jesus, I pray for surrender. I pray, I pray, I pray. Teach us, teach us really what it means to be deeply surrendered to you and to go to that lowest place in you because it is your Holy Spirit, like water fills the lowest places. And so if we willingly go to the lowest place ourselves, you fill us, you promise that you'll fill us and you do. And so Jesus, I pray, God, that you would um, help us help us see things that we might need to give up or renounce or just let go of. And it's easy because we know the exchanges. We just get much more of you in our life, Jesus. So let that flow. Just come on, spend some more time. There's a word on Friday night about conduit. The thing that blocks the conduit or the flow through our lives is lack of surrender or lack of trust which is actually lack of surrender and so I just pray right now Father if there's things in our hearts anybody here if there's things in our hearts that we would willingly be giving up that you'd highlight things that we might need to let go of so that we can be a pure pure vessel just that pure conduit for your flow of the Holy Spirit in us through us um, thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you for your presence Teach us, teach us, teach us, Holy Spirit. You are the great teacher, Holy Spirit. You are the one called and sent from the Father to do life right alongside us and teach us every single day. Teach us to hear. Teach us what your voice sounds like. 
Produce faith in us. It's even from you anyway. Produce faith in us that I pray it would rise so that we'd trust. We'd trust in you, trust in your voice. And we'd know that when we obey you, you become responsible for the consequences. And we can trust that because you're a good father. You're a good father. You're a good father. Thank you, Father. I can just feel anointing increasing, so I'm just going to keep waiting. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come on, yield up anything. Just invite him. Invite him. Mm. The blow through all of those places in your heart. We invite you to blow through all of those places in our heart. Have your way. Old experience, old memory, believing things that maybe are inaccurate about you, Father. Blow through all of that. Highlight those things that we should let go of and give over to you. Fill us, fill us again, fill us again, fill us again, God. Fill us again, I pray it'd be like wave after wave after wave after wave of just your flow of great love through us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I pray that hunger would rise in our hearts and our lives for you to have your way every single day. I pray that hunger would rise in our hearts for the word, for truth. I pray that hunger in our hearts would rise for your presence as the greatest and most vital thing in our life. That hunger and thirst for you, hunger and thirst for righteousness is Matthew 5, right? But that righteousness, the word there means relationship. So hunger and thirst for relationship. I pray for the increase of the hunger and the thirsting for relationship and that we'd not be satisfied with anything other than just your pure presence, your glory presence, the thing that changes us. God, we want communion. We want deep communion with you. It's the thing that we were created to have with you before anything else. So I just pray, reinstate it in our lives, reinstate the value for it in our lives. I pray for the increase. I pray for the increase of flow of the Holy Spirit through our lives. And I pray there'd be evidence of that, Father, for us because the evidence, when we see the fruit of it, our faith grows. So let there be evidence of the increase of your flow through our life. Let there be evidence of our communion with you be in our lives, Father. I pray for change. I pray for transformation in our lives, Father. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, friendship. It's about friendship. It's friendship. You want friendship and and God, we're good for it. We want it back. We say yes, like the song. We say yes to you, Jesus. You're just saying yes to us and we say yes. So there's an echoing back and forth of yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Amen. 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 So I... um, I'll go home and cry my eyes out all afternoon because he's really, um, he just makes himself so available. And the only reason we think that he doesn't is in our thinking because we've stopped it. And so um, he makes himself more available than we'll ever, we'll ever see this side of heaven. It's when we get into heaven, we'll understand. I, never, I don't want to get to heaven um, and go, oh my goodness, I could have done this and this and this and this. I want to get to heaven having done it all, all of the purpose, all of the destiny, all of the things that God wanted to do through our lives, like that, we'd, that it would literally be poured out like the perfume, the woman's perfume, right? All of our life poured out. Why are you standing here? <laughs> 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 
Oh, okay. Um, so it's it's um. Yeah, just don't don't hold back on the Father. Don't hold back on Him. Don't you can trust Him. You can trust Him. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this, or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.